Great to have you here. I, I, I just got to find out right off the top here. Did anybody get up early to watch the royal wedding yesterday? If, if you did, put up your hand, put up your hand. Okay, now if you didn't, your job is to watch the person beside you. And if they start to nod off, just whisper something royal in their ear or something, okay? I didn't watch it. How many didn't watch it? How many were at a different wedding? Yeah, okay. How many were watching hockey? And, well, not at 4 a.m. or whatever it was, but anyway, it was a pretty neat occasion. Uh, I did watch some of the highlights and it was kind of cool. But uh, this morning is Pentecost Sunday and we're continuing our series called 100 Points of Light. And you know what? I don't think that we can have a better theme uh, for this day. Uh, the past two Sundays, it's been awesome to have a couple of our global workers with us. We had Matt and Amber Price, uh, who work in Thailand, and they had their newborn baby, Ren, with us. And I think that was the first time Ren ever heard her daddy preach uh, a couple of Sundays ago. And then last week, we had Gary Heinrichs uh, with us. Uh, he and his wife, Kathy, are global workers uh, in Costa Rica, working with indigenous tribes like the Bribri. How many remember the Bribri words we learned last week? Yeah, me neither. But uh, it was really neat to hear just kind of what's, what's going on in their lives and, and in their ministry and, and how God is just pushing them kind of into the jungle to connect with, with uh, these uh, people that, that love Jesus and, and need to know more about him. Uh, having them with us, I think, has helped us focus on something that as a local church uh, in Nanaimo in 2018, we must never lose sight of. And that's that we are a people on mission. We're a people on mission. A mission is not just another good thing that we do. It's, it's not just another program or, or another idea or another activity or another department in our church or a department in our fellowship. A mission, in fact, is why we exist. We as the people of God have been called and empowered to take the good news of Jesus Christ to our world. I want us to go uh, back to some verses that we've already looked at this morning a little bit uh, in the book of Acts. And so you can turn on your Bibles if you use your phone or go in your Bible if it's hard copy to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is uh, a book that was written by Dr. Luke, the same guy that wrote the gospel that bears his name. Uh, they're part A and part B. And both of these books were written to a guy named Theophilus who was probably a wealthy Roman aristocrat. And in Acts chapter one, verse one, uh, Luke starts his book by saying, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. Uh, if Luke's first book describes all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven. This second book that Luke is writing now describes what Jesus continued to do after he was taken up. The things that he continued to do through his followers. The things that continued to happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, right away in this first sentence of the book of Acts, Luke can't help but introduce the main character of the book. It's the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus gave this instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and 
proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You say, well, what, what's, the, what's the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God was actually the, the master theme of Jesus. It was the, the, the major focal point of Jesus' preaching and of Jesus' ministry. As you read through the stories about Jesus, you always find him talking about the kingdom of God. When Jesus preached about the kingdom of God, he was talking about a kingdom in which he and he alone is king. It was a reign that was inaugurated with his birth in Bethlehem. It was demonstrated in his miracles. It was explained in his teaching. It was established in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And in fact, it will be consummated with his return. And all of this is in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. So really, I, you know, I guess it really shouldn't surprise us that, that in that brief window that, that Jesus had with his disciples between his resurrection and his ascension, what was he talking about? He was talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of which he is the king. So just, just kind of track how, how Luke is starting this book here. He's saying that Jesus is giving his disciples further instruction through the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about the kingdom of God. Then note verse four, and, and this, is, this is really important because Jesus in verse four declares kind of the next step. Jesus starts to unpack the game plan. He, uh, he gives kind of the first priority of his kingdom agenda. And he says, once when he was eating with them, and it's interesting there that uh, Jesus ate with them. He was in his resurrected body. It was a physical body. He wasn't some disembodied spirit. He wasn't a ghost. Uh, you know, it was just one more of the convincing proofs that he was actually alive. He ate with them. So he's eating with them and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not the first time that the disciples had heard that language or, or heard of this idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. In fact, they'd first heard about this from the ministry of John the Baptist way back uh, in, the, in the early days of, of the Gospels. Uh, Luke 3, uh, they had come to John the Baptist and, and they were you know, looking at him and they were going like, like who are you really? You know, you know what, are, what are you about? Are, are you the Messiah that we're looking for? And, and John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming soon who's greater than I am, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus showed up and was baptized in water by John the Baptist, it says that the Holy Spirit physically descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. And from that point, Jesus was commissioned and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he began his ministry. You read in Luke 4 that he went into the synagogue at Nazareth, and he rolled open the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, where it says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Holy Spirit has come and commissioned me and appointed me and anointed me. For he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus says, listen, that's what the Holy Spirit is on me to do. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. That's why the Holy Spirit is given. And if Jesus began his ministry in the power of the Spirit, 
Friends, so must his followers. So must his followers. Because it's the plan. It's the order of the kingdom of God. John prophesied that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminded them that that the Spirit was the, the gift that the Father had promised. And then Jesus commanded his disciples, don't leave home without it. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he's promised. In just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And 10 days later, in fact, you can go home and read it this afternoon. Uh, Acts chapter 2 talks about how the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the 120. Well, Jesus is talking with them and all this talk about the kingdom. The Spirit, I think, got them all riled up. And so often, like you and I, they completely missed the point. Verse 6, it says, so when the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus is talking about kingdom and all that kind of stuff, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? You're telling us to stay in Jerusalem. Is that why we're supposed to stay in Jerusalem? I mean, is this a time when we get to to sit on the throne and and, and judge the the, the 12 tribes of Israel? Is this when the nation of Israel is going to be restored, just like the Old Testament prophets have promised? And is this when we get to kick out the Romans? You know, are we going to take over the world, Jesus? Now, we can kind of chuckle at the disciples for their parochialism and their preoccupation with their nation and with politics and with power. But, you know, I think we still kind of get up, get hung up on some of the same issues today. Church, can I just remind you that it's not our business to speculate about the end of the world? It's, it's not our business to get tangled up in prophetic trivia. And yes, we do live with the very real expectation that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. But can I just encourage you, don't get caught up in the books and the teachings and the preachers that try and force today's newspaper headlines into the prophecies of the Bible. Because if we do that, we're making the same mistake that the disciples did back in in Acts chapter 1. Frankly, Jesus says that when this is going to happen is none of our business. In fact, he replied to the disciples, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. The dates and times are none of our business, Jesus says. But let me tell you what is your business. Let me tell you what what, what the game plan really is. And these are the last recorded words of Jesus before his ascension. Verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Judea or in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, don't miss the point of the kingdom. Don't miss the point of the spirits. It's not about Israel's kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about a measure of political power. It's about the immeasurable power of the spirit. It's not about the power to rule. It's about power to serve. It's not about having your your own little kingdom. It's about going to the ends of the earth. It's not about having some special knowledge of end times. It's in fact about telling everyone who I am. It's about giving witness to me. And friends, 
Jesus' last command must be our first priority. His last command has got to be our first priority. And it starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit imparted power to boldly give witness to Jesus. I think it's something that we must take very seriously. In fact, it's something that our family of churches called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada has taken very seriously. Our fellowship has been around for about 100 years. It's part of what we're celebrating with this thing that we're calling 100 Points of Light. Uh, We're just entering into our, our centenary year. And as a Pentecostal church, though, we trace our roots to a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started at the turn of the 20th century. In fact, I think it was New Year's Day, uh, 1901. Uh, God started to do, do new work in, in a little Bible college in Topeka, Kansas. And, and then there were other places that, that popped up, like Azusa Street in Los Angeles, and, and in Chicago, and then in Toronto, and, and then in Winnipeg. People had encounters with the Holy Spirit that was right out of the book of Acts. What happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 became a living reality in their lives back then. And in fact, that's why our family of churches is called Pentecostal. Because we believe that the book of Acts is still for today. We believe that the book of Acts has never really ended. That the Holy Spirit is still at work in his church and in his people, just like in the book of Acts. Well, 100 years ago, as as new Pentecostal churches were planted, uh, one of the primary motivations for establishing relationship and coming together as a fellowship was this desire to collaborate for the purpose of global mission, Uh, to work together as churches to send men and women to the ends of the earth in obedience to Jesus' last command to his disciples. In fact, you can't understand the DNA and the history of the PAOC or even a church like ours without understanding its missionary vision and work. Our movement has always been marked by people with a passion and love for those who have never heard the good news about Jesus. There has always been this deep impulse from the Holy Spirit for local and global mission. In fact, you read stories like this, and this is a a true story. It's the story of missionaries from the floating box. It was Christmas Day, 1908. A young African man named Jasper Toe stood on the beach at Garraway Bay, Liberia, looking out at the mighty Atlantic Ocean. He had walked for seven days from his inland village to get there. It's probably the first time he'd ever seen the ocean. Back in his home village, Jasper said that he would often stand outside of his hut and look at the stars and think, there must be a creator. There must be a creator. But how can I know him? One night as Jasper looked out at the sky, he cried out, if there's a creator God, will you help me find him? God responded and gave him very clear direction to go to Garraway Beach. And when he got there, he would see a big box out on the water with smoke coming out of it. And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, out of that big box, a little box will bring people who will tell you who I am. Well, God had already prepared the answer to Jasper's prayer. John and 
Jesse Perkins had been Methodist missionaries to Africa, but they went home and they attended a Pentecostal meeting in Toronto and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, returning to Liberia, sent by their new Pentecostal family and accompanied by some others called to mission. The group were spending time praying and seeking God's guidance. And and as they got close to the African shore, uh, John Perkins felt that they should disembark at the coastal town of Garraway. Well, the captain was totally against that. He said that, you know, it's not a good harbor, not a good port. It's just too dangerous. Uh, However, the Holy Spirit's direction to John was urgent. You have to get off the ship here. You have to get off. This is where I want you to go. So John kept pestering the captain and finally the captain relented. Uh, The large ship could not get close to shore. So he put the missionaries and all their belongings into a small boat and sent them off. And on Christmas day, 1908, Jasper stood on the beach, looking out at the Atlantic Ocean at this big box on the water with smoke coming out of it and waited for people coming to him in the little box. And and that's a picture that was painted of this event. And when these people got to the beach, he greeted them with great joy. He led them back to his village where these missionaries learned his language and shared the gospel. And Jasper was their first convert And he later became the first general superintendent of the Liberia Assemblies of God. In fact, in 2008, the Liberia Assemblies of God celebrated their 100th anniversary, and they date the founding of their church to that day when Jasper Toe waited on Garraway Beach to welcome the missionaries from the floating box. So, I mean, we're we're celebrating in in 2018-19 as the PAOC, well, the Pentecostal Church in Liberia is ahead of us. We were in Victoria last week for a general conference, and it was just a, a great time gathering with uh, our leaders and pastors from all across Canada and our mission workers from around the world. And we heard Murray Cornelius, the director of our international missions, tell us that since 1908, more than 3,000 Canadian Pentecostals have served as messengers of the good news of Jesus in more than 80 countries around the globe. More than 3,000. Together with God, we have witnessed God at work. There's been 55 national fellowships birthed. There's been over 50,000 churches planted, over 40,000 workers trained and released into the harvest field, and more than 12 million people have decided to follow Jesus. Today, we've got 340 workers serving in 75 different countries and Many of them were at conference with us last week, and it was just great to rub shoulders with them and, and, and hear their stories. And, and now we have a goal with this 100 points of light to see 100 more global workers sent out in the next five years. Eileen and I got to pray with one of those brand new missionaries last week at a commissioning service at conference. She's one of the first of these 100 new ones that we're believing God for. And what made this moment extra special is that this young lady first experienced her call to global missions right here in Nanaimo. In fact, it was right here in this auditorium. It was right here at a Friday night youth service when she was 12 or 13 years old. And if you've been part of Generations for a while, you would know her. Her name is Chelsea Wood, the the daughter of Dave and Julie Wood, who were pastors here at at Generations, or ET as it was known, for, for many years. 
And I believe it was last Wednesday night at, at conference, we got to pray with Chelsea as part of her commissioning as, as global workers. And we prayed with her along with her mom and dad and Pastor Les and Pat Markham. And, and uh, no, Dave has not got purple hair. That was just the, 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 the lighting that they, they had going in, in, the, in the auditorium at, at the time. So, so, so we got to, to pray with Chelsea and, and commission her for the work that God called her to do right here. So after they left Nanaimo, uh, Chelsea continued, graduated high school, got her degree, I think it was in global economics or something like that, jumped into missions with YWAM, and now she's serving as the coordinator and office manager for a nonprofit clinic and medical training center in the uh, rural area of, of uh, Vanuatu, one of the islands there. She's gifted in organization and leadership, and, and she'll just be demonstrating the practical love of Jesus through the provision of much-needed medical care. And she's going to be working alongside the youth group from the International Christian Church there in, in the capital city as they reach out to the local and, and expat youths. And that seed to do this got planted in her heart here in this church. Past several weeks, in talking about this 100 points of light thing, uh, Pastor Dallas has stood on this platform and talked about celebrating what God has done, about sending and about giving, celebrating that all God has done the last 100 years. Uh, uh, giving, you know, we want to see a, a million dollars given to, to help send these 100 new workers that we're believing God for. And, and both Sundays he said, and maybe God's calling you to be one of them. I hope you understand he wasn't joking. I, I hope you understand that, that he was serious. In fact, we're serious. God still calls people. God still calls people to be pastors and global workers. God calls people to be church planters and evangelists and educators and administrators and, and relief workers, people who will take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. God doesn't just call people from somewhere else. We, we think it's always somewhere else. But the reality is, is that God calls people from places like right here in Nanaimo, he calls people from churches like ours, from families like yours. He calls your sons, your daughters, maybe even you. And you may be a young person or a not so young person, but when you start to, to, to sense and feel and, and say things like, you know, I, I think I, I, I'm feeling this call to ministry and mission. It's something that you need to take seriously. It's something that we need to take seriously because we know it's something that God still does. He still calls. He still empowers. He still anoints. You know, I remember a very clear sense of call in my own heart to sing and to preach and to lead. Man, I think I was probably only four or five years old. I was just, just a little gaffer. And listen, mom and dad, if your kids start talking about sensing that call, even at a young age, don't discourage them. Affirm them. Encourage them. Pray with them. Dream with them. Pray for them. Help them discern what, what God is speaking into their hearts and, and speaking into their lives. Now, now don't force them. Don't 
push them. It has to be God's call. It can't be your call. And then on the, on the flip side of that, don't stand in their way. In fact, the biggest hindrance of young people responding to God's call is often parents who've got other plans for their lives. You know, I can understand that if, if you've got a parent that doesn't know Jesus, but if you know Jesus as a parent, you've probably dedicated your child to the Lord. You've given them back to God. And you know, as parents, we've got to learn that we just need to keep giving our children back to God. We just got to keep giving them back to God. They're not ours, they're his. The Holy Spirit can speak to the heart of a child. The Holy Spirit can speak to the heart of a young person. Friends, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is as active in the heart of an adult is the same Holy Spirit that is active in the heart of a young person. Now, the Holy Spirit also speaks to adults. Remember five or six years ago when Darlene Nagy came and made an appointment with me? She wanted to talk to me about something. At that point, I think she'd been serving in Kids Zone for about 10 years. She was leading a ladies' small group, and she came and sat down with me, and I remember it very clearly. She, she said, you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but I, I think I'm feeling this call to be a pastor. What do I do with this? And by the way, I asked permission to, to tell this story this morning from, from her. I don't owe her a toonie for telling a story with, with, without permission. But she said, you know, I, I'm, I'm sensing this, this call, but you know, I'm kind of midlife. I'm kind of mid-career. Like, like, how does this work? What do I do? Well, last fall, we were able to bring Darlene on staff here at Generations part-time as our children's ministry director. This week, she had her credential interview with the PAOC, and she's on her way to walking out that inward call that the Holy Spirit has put on her life. And, and you know, Darlene, she's not a teenager anymore. You know, we got three or four students, I think. I don't know, maybe more at Summit Pacific. How many have we got at Summit Pacific right now? Yeah, a bunch. Three or four. I know we got another three or four more young people that are talking about that growing sense of call that they have in their heart to step into some kind of vocational ministry. And, you know, God just kind of put something on my heart this morning that I've never done. If you're sensing that call on your life, whether you're a youth or a kid or an adult, of course, the kids are downstairs, so they're not going to hear this. But if you're sensing that call, we want to pray for you this morning. I don't think I've ever actually said that in a service like this, but I just sense that's something that the Holy Spirit would have us to do because we need to encourage the call that the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to step out and serve Jesus in that way. Now, you need to understand I'm not trying to put a, a call to pastoral ministry or missions on a pedestal this morning. For some, it's true that the call of God may be specific in that sense. But friends, I believe that the call of God is not just for pastors or missionaries. The call of God is for all of us to serve him in whatever way that he has gifted us, whatever way he has wired us, whether that is serving him as in, in some other kind of vocation, like, like a, a teacher or in business or, or whatever area of work that God's called you to do or whatever you are in, in your family, in your neighborhood. 
God's got a call for all of us. We're all called to give witness to Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're all called to give lives or to live lives of sacrificial service in dedication to the King of Kings. We're all called to live lives of extravagant generosity, pouring all the money we can into God's work for the advancement of his kingdom. (laughs) The reality is that ministry costs money. Missions cost money. You know, whether it's here in Nanaimo or in Thailand or in Costa Rica or Vanuatu, one of the primary projects that that Chelsea Wood has right now is is raising her support so she can walk out the call that God's put on her life to serve. She needs people to give. Friends, people can't go and fulfill the call unless they're sent. And that sending is by the Holy Spirit, but the sending is also by his church that provides for them to go. We did something a couple of Sundays ago that We've never done it. I didn't actually realize it until later, but uh, we gave four different offering appeals in one service. We talked about our, our regular giving, which, is a, which we believe God's called us to give a tithe of our income, 10% to the Lord, to, to the house, to provide for the work of the ministry here in our local church. We also talked about a benevolence offering because it was the fifth Sunday of the month and we took a benevolence offering so that we as a church can, can, can bless those uh, in, in our community and in our church that just need some help, maybe getting to camp or, or just real practical ways like that. We talked about uh, our reno project like we did this morning, say, hey, we need to continue continue to pour into that so we've got the funds to to finish what we start so that we can renovate this this building to make it more effective. We also talked about 100 points of light, how, you know, we're called as a fellowship. We're we're partnering with 1,100 churches in Canada to raise this million dollars to provide a foundation to send these new missionaries. And I got thinking, my goodness, we had these four different offering appeals in in one Sunday morning. And and to be honest with you, my, my first thought was, yikes. People are going to think I love them just for their money. You know, those pastors, all they talk about is money, 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 money. They want your money. When you come into church, hang on to your wallets because they're going to want your money. So uh, to be honest, I was a little embarrassed about it. But then I had another thought, a second thought, and I, I think it was the Holy Spirit because the thought was, don't apologize for challenging people to live lives of extravagant generosity. Friends, we are called by God to live lives of extravagant generosity. It's the lifestyle of the kingdom. It's who we as the people of God are supposed to be. It's what we as the people of God are supposed to do. We're not living for ourselves. We're not building our own kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. We're following King Jesus. We're pouring our lives into into his kingdom and into his work. And, And friends, when we begin to live lives of extravagant generosity, it's a sign that the Holy Spirit has our hearts. In Acts, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of people's hearts, they, it says they, they sold property. They sold possessions so that they'd have more money to give. That's what they did because we're called to live lives of extravagant generosity so that the kingdom of Jesus can grow. That's what happens when we encounter the Holy Spirit. Our lives are empowered to, to do things that we could never do on our own, to say things 
that we could never say on our own, to go places we could never go on our own, to, to give things that we could never give on our own. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. In a moment, I'm gonna call you to pray and what we're gonna do this morning actually is uh, our prayer room, like I said, is being ripped apart down to the studs, the old prayer room. We have a new prayer room. <laughs> it's out through these doors. It used to be called the Vertical Lounge. It's in transition now. It's our prayer room. And so we're just gonna invite you to step through those doors and go to the prayer room. If, if you're a person that is sensing the call of God on your life to vocational service, whether it's to be a pastor, a youth pastor, or maybe a missionary in some way, that if you're sensing that call, we want, we want to pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning and, and you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want to experience the, the, the freshness of, of the Holy Spirit on you this morning, we would also invite you to come and, and into that prayer room. We're just going to have a time of, of, of waiting on God. And, and friends, you need to understand that this is not about just being a, a Pentecostal church. And this is not about carrying on a family tradition or, or, or living up to a name. It's, it's about embracing the biblical command. It's about embracing the biblical mandate of Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit's power so that we can give witness to him. And, it, and it's not just an idea. It's not just a, a theological proposition. When you receive the, the, the Holy Spirit, you actually experience him. You experience the Holy Spirit. It's about having a very real personal encounter with the Spirit of Jesus. All through the book of Acts, we find that when followers of Jesus were baptized in the Holy Spirit, something happened. They spoke in tongues. It was a language that they didn't learn and didn't necessarily understand without the Holy Spirit giving them interpretation, but it was the sign that the Holy Spirit had come upon them and commissioned them and empowered them for service. And it was very real. It was very personal. It made Jesus and his work in their lives something dynamic, something alive. You know, some of us have been raised in Pentecost. Some of us have been filled with the Spirit for decades. Many of you know the joy of walking in the Spirit and the fullness that the Spirit of Jesus brings to our lives. Yet sometimes familiarity can breed, well, not necessarily contempt, but it can breed casualness. We can lose the cutting edge that God intends the Holy Spirit to bring to our lives. There can be a, a creeping familiarity, a nonchalance, and an unconcern about the Spirit's working, about the Spirit's power in our lives, and about the Spirit's power in our church, about the passion for mission, about the passion to reach people for Jesus. And friends, we need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. We need to stir up uh, that which is in us. We need to redig the wells. We need to let the river of God flow in our life in a new way. 
For some of us, this stuff about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is maybe something we've never even heard of. You might be new here this morning and you're going like, what? Say what? What's this, what's this speaking in tongues business? But friends, it's the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that equips us to do what God has called us to do because you can't do what God's called you to do without the Holy Spirit. You can't be the person that God's called you to be without the Holy Spirit. You can't be the Christian that God's called you to be without the Holy Spirit. And it's something you actually experience. It's not just a theology. It's, it's an encounter. And it's signified when the Holy Spirit comes on us we speak in other tongues, speaking in a language that, that you've never learned. But friends, it makes Jesus real. It makes Jesus real. You know, in the early days of Pentecost, you know, they'd often put, put, put up a banner in, in front of the, the, the storefront or the little church where they were, the, they, where they were meeting and having services. And, and they would say, come to the church where Jesus is real. Because you showed up there, there, there was something tangible about the presence of of God is the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus real in your life? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Have you been baptized with the Spirit? Have you received the power the Holy Spirit wants to give you to be his witness? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I am so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful for your work in, in my life. Lord, the way that you have called me and challenged me and worked in me. Jesus, I thank you for the work of your spirit in the lives of my friends. Lord, the work of your spirit in our church. When I say church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. Jesus, we're a people that wants to be alive with the reality and the power of your spirit in us and through us. And so Holy Spirit, this morning, we invite you to come afresh. We invite you to come anew. Oh, wind of God blow like you blew that first Sunday or that first uh, Pentecost Sunday so many years ago. Jesus, we want to encounter the reality of your grace, the reality of your love, the reality of your power, the power that only comes through your spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Friends, I would just, in the, even in this moment, just ask you to just, Open up your, your, your heart and maybe you would just kind of put your, your hands forward in an expression of, of receiving because this Holy Spirit thing has got two aspects. One is the aspect of God pouring it out, God giving it. But just like any gift, the giver has to receive it. So just put your hands out and let's just receive what the Holy Spirit wants to give us this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, come and fill us afresh. Come and fill me afresh. Jesus, I want to experience you. Holy Spirit, I want to encounter you. I need you to come and fill me. I need you to come and fill me. 
Do your work. Do your work. Do your work. Thank you, Jesus. As we bring our meeting to a close this morning, I'm going to invite those of you, and I know there's people here, I just have that faith to know that there's people here that God is speaking to you. You sense a call to ministry. And I've never said this or done it like this ever, but I just feel prompted by the Spirit of God to do this because it's going to be a touch point in somebody's life here this morning. Maybe you've already talked to somebody about it. Maybe you've already responded to something like this before, but I'd encourage you to respond again. But maybe you've never responded. You might be a young person. You might be an adult. You might be a a senior that is transitioning into retirement and wondering what the world God's got for the rest of your life. You're sensing the call. You're sensing the call and maybe you've been wrestling with it, trying to figure out what that looks like, how that works. Friends, you don't need to figure it all out. You just need to respond. So I'm gonna invite you and in fact, encourage you to to head over to the prayer room. Pastor Dallas is standing by the door there. You just go through those, turn left. The vertical lounge is right there. That's our new prayer room. And we just wanna have a time of, of praying with you and praying for you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're just saying, Pastor, you've been talking to me about the, the, the Holy Spirit and how he wants to be active in our lives. I, I need a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. I, I need to encounter him. Maybe you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you need to seek that. that, that that's, a, that's something we need to be hungry for. And I'd encourage you to, to head for the prayer room this morning. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit before, but you're just sensing you need to have a, a fresh encounter with Jesus, a fresh encounter with his spirit in your life. We would invite you to come. We'd invite you to come. If you're here this morning and you've got another prayer need in your life, maybe something's going on in your family.